Hello, I'm Zoltán Sipos, and you are listening to The Loop, a journalism value project podcast. In each episode, we interview a manager or journalist from an independent newsroom in Europe. We talk about key challenges for them, ranging from funding and business models to community engagement and organizational structures, as we explore what success and sustainability looks like for independent media today. This podcast is brought to you by reference, a self-organized network of 26 European independent news outlets hosted by Arena for Journalism in Europe. On today's episode, we will be talking to Szabolcs Panyi, a Hungarian investigative journalist working for Direct 36, a non-profit investigative journalism center that provides in-depth accountability reporting. Several years ago, Szabolcs Panyi was the subject of surveillance by the Hungarian government. His phone number was found in a leaked database containing 50,000 phone numbers of people targeted by Pegasus, a powerful spyware tool that can be installed remotely and access virtually everything on the target's phone. Pegasus was designed by an Israeli company called NSO Group with the purpose to fight crime and terrorism. However, the leaked database shows that it was used for the surveillance of human rights activists, political dissidents, lawyers and journalists across the world. Welcome, Szabolcs Pani. Before we delve into the challenges of working as a journalist in Hungary, please tell us more about the topics you are covering. My name is Szabolcs Pani. I'm a Hungarian investigative journalist based in Budapest. Uh, I work for Direct 36, a Hungarian nonprofit investigative outlet. And I also work for a, a Polish NGO called Fundacja Reporter, the publisher of WeSquare.org and uh, FrontStory.pl, uh, also investigative sites. And I usually work on um, high-level corruption, national security, mostly Russian and Chinese uh, influence-related uh, stories. And I've been in this business for... I think, 10 years now. Uh, a few years ago, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in 2019, uh, you were invited uh, to take part in an, in an international national project uh, based on a leaked database. Uh, can you please uh, tell us more about this project? It was in 2021 uh, when I was invited to participate in the so-called uh, Pegasus Project investigation. But you're right, uh, it was mostly involving events back in 2019 when, uh, when the Hungarian government surveilled me through my phone, through hacking my phone with an um, Israeli uh, spyware called Pegasus. Uh, but it was not until uh, maybe March 2021 that uh, I got notified that uh, that something was going on with my my phone. Uh, journalists working with the Süddeutsche Zeitung, um, uh, Bastian and Frederick Obermeier, renowned German investigative journalists, uh, reached out first to to my uh, editor Andreas Bette, um, asking for my phone number and also some phone numbers belonging to other people uh, in Hungarian media. Um, and they didn't know, uh, they didn't tell us why, so we didn't know why, why they were interested in this. And they also told that there may be a project that would surely interest us. But before they can fill us in on the details, uh, we have to get our phones uh, checked by, by Amnesty International, uh, like doing a backup on our iPhones and uploading it to a server and then doing a forensic technical analysis. So they didn't tell why 
well, what is this project or why we had to you know, get our, our phones checked or why they were asking for the phone numbers. But even before they, they told us what this whole thing is about, we kind of already knew from these small uh, uh, bits of information uh, with Andres that, that it must be a story connected to surveillance. <laughs> then uh, the forensic analysis results showed that Andres' phone was... Uh, was uh, negative. They didn't find any traces of, of spyware on it, but they did find on mine. And what they found is that my phone was hacked back in 2019 uh, from April to end of October, November. Uh, that time, they still didn't tell the exact uh, name of the technology that it's Pegasus. So it was like a gradual process how we were uh, told that what it is all about. <clears throat> and then Bastian and Frederick, they came to Hungary uh, a couple of weeks later, together with a journalist from Forbidden Stories, this Paris-based outlet that was coordinating the, the whole uh, investigation. And then they showed us this leaked database of more than 50,000 phone numbers, uh, from which there were more than 300 belonging to, to Hungarian uh, people. So these were like Hungarian phone numbers. But the but the leak was only about the phone numbers, so the, it, the, there was no like names there originally. So part of the investigation was to try to identify who uses those phone numbers, and and that's why uh, Frederick and Bastian double checked it with with Andres a couple of weeks before that. That I am indeed using the the phone number that they found in this leak database, and and when we started working on it. Um, I also figured out that uh, that my immediate colleague working at Direct 36, Andres Sabo, also has his phone number uh, present in this leaked list. We checked his phone too, and it also came back with a positive result. So my, my colleague was also hacked with, uh, with Pegasus, and that makes the two of us being targets of surveillance in a team that was at that time like eight people. So that's <laughs> quite a high percentage. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the capabilities of this software? Because it is really interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not an expert on the technological side, but obviously because of this project, I, I had to talk to, to real experts and also through this process when my phone was analyzed and I, you know, I, I wanted to find out what exactly happened to, uh, to my device, what kind of information uh, could have been accessed, and uh, well, the the scary answer was like like this: this spyware can essentially access everything, um, meaning that once your phone is hacked, and and even the the procedure of hacking the phone is is quite extraordinary because it doesn't have to involve like any interaction by the user. It's called a zero click attack, so they just infect your. Phone phone from afar, you don't have to click on any you know, stupid links, it just gets on your device, it doesn't uh, show any malfunctioning, so, there's, so there, there are no uh, hints that your phone may be compromised, it's not overheating, the battery is not draining um, considerably faster, I mean I have an iPhone so the battery is draining fast anyway, um, so there was no... <clears throat> no, no sign mm, that that 
would have made me aware that uh, that my phone is hacked. Um, Pegasus can turn on the camera and the microphone remotely, so your phone can be turned into a covered listening device. So, for example, if my phone is hacked right now, uh, it's it's on the stable where we where we talk right now, then remotely this conversation can be can be also recorded. But I think that the biggest feature of Pegasus is that uh, it can crack. Uh, encrypted communication. Um, so journalists uh, in Hungary and, and I guess in, in other countries as well uh, tend to use uh, end-to-end uh, encrypted messaging applications for qu- quite some time now. This means like Signal, WhatsApp, Viber, uh, Telegram, etc. And the problem with these uh, these apps is from the from the perspective of intelligence agencies that if if they can only like um, <clears throat> have access to the encrypted communication through somehow intercepting the signal then they are not able to decrypt it but if they infect the end device so again we're talking about end to end encryption so Obviously, on my device, it's not a random uh, list of, of of numbers and and uh, and and characters that appear, but but the text. So if they can hack my phone, then they can see everything that I see on the screen, meaning that this is a way for them to to read even uh, uh, messages that we used on on Signal and 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 at Director the Six. Our internal um, editorial communication mostly goes through uh, end-to-end encrypted applications. So through hacking my, my my colleague and myself, well, unfortunately, it was not only my messages that you know could have been accessed, but since I was member of multiple signal groups, including the the group for uh, for Director Six, that that was also compromised. I'm afraid. And how does it feel uh, to discover your phone number in such a database? Um, so when 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 I first saw the database and I saw my phone number in that, I, I had mixed feelings, and I, I talked about this a couple of times. So, so on on one hand, uh, there were the names in this database because we already identified a couple of a uh, couple of other targets. So some of the phone numbers uh, belong to well-known Hungarian mobsters and criminals. Uh, some of these names are well-known from the 90s and the, and the 2000s. And then to to see my my name and phone number listed among these people, like you know, it makes you think that that the Hungarian government or the Hungarian state and its agencies put you in the same bracket as as some you know mafia boss, as some drug dealer, as some you know violent criminal who was involved in in, uh, in murders. And and that's obviously outrageous. And on on the other hand, there were also uh, phone numbers. And then you know after the procedure of identifying them, we, we put there the names of uh, of some media company owners or or other journalists or or even uh, politicians and former politicians. And I remember one of the names that that was really shocking to me is to see the name of Attila Chikan. He's a renowned Hungarian. Uh, Economist, a uh, former member of Viktor Orbán's first government, really like the the nicest professor out there. Obviously, he didn't serve for a long time under Orbán. Uh, that's uh, that's also telling. And like you, you just really can't imagine him getting involved in any of those crimes that NSO Group, the the manufacturer of Pegasus, claims that their clients who who buy Pegasus 
are, are only allowed to use uh, this this military grade spyware against you know the worst criminals, uh, drug dealers, terrorists, pedophiles, etc. And when you see, see the name of of, uh, of of an old professor in his seventies, I think, was giving lectures. There, he was he wasn't even involved in any you know, corruption issues. At least uh, there was like no reporting on that. And then you know also the names of of, of fellow journalists uh, there. Uh, like Brigitta Chikas, who worked with with Atatsu at the time when when she was uh, uh, surveilled, uh, like yeah, it's I, I had mixed feelings because I was also proud to see my see my name there that you know someone uh, thought that my uh, my my work is uh, is important enough that that they should uh, uh, hack my phone. Um, on on the other hand. Uh, as a Hungarian taxpayer, and that's that's like a, a, a third point I want to raise. So the thing is that Pegasus is a is a very expensive tool, um, and to surveil a single target that could have costed at that time um, uh, multiple tens of thousands of dollars, maybe um, forty or fifty thousand dollars, and you know that's taxpayer money that was sent to me. They were essentially serving a journalist whose job is to publish the information that you know he or she gathers. So it just makes you know little sense. And uh, you know, as a Hungarian taxpayer, like I'm, I'm paying for my own surveillance <laughs> party. That's just uh, that's just really really ridiculous. And and one thing that I, I really want to emphasize here is that um, so we we wrote maybe a dozen two dozen stories out of out of this. Um, this uh, this research and, and the database and also we had some follow-up stories on, on Pegasus surveillances and and what we what we found in the cases of journalists media company owners etc is that after the surveillance or alleged surveillance because uh, there were some cases when we were not able to to analyze forensically the the phones because the phones were you know discarded already thrown away or they were not iPhones and with uh, with Android devices it's it's much harder to uh, to carry out this uh, the, the the same in depth uh, forensic analysis but but what we we found is that these people including myself and my colleague or Brigitte Chikas whom I mentioned or you know others so we were not prosecuted there there was like no criminal there were no criminal charges pressed against us meaning that our surveillance and all the material that they gathered through the surveillance didn't link us into any criminal activity uh, which of course I know because I'm not involved in any criminal activity. I'm an investigative journalist. My my whole job is about uncovering you know abuses of power and 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 corruption. But this tells you that when uh, when my surveillance was approved by uh, the then Minister of Justice, there was essentially that there had to be like some justification why they want to surveil me. But in the end, it turned out that. Whatever the suspicion was, after surveilling me for for six or seven months, they couldn't find anything uh, that 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 would have resulted in in charges. And and it's the same with with all the other people that we wrote about, meaning that it's extremely likely that that uh, Pegasus was not used for law enforcement uh, or for investigative purposes. They were just trying to spy on journalists, trying to spy on media company owners who publish media critical of the Orban government. So essentially, although 
I'm pretty sure everything is documented and, you know, there are the, the signatures and the stamps on the uh, surveillance permits are on the, on the right place. But, uh, but, but even then, it's, it's illegal surveillance. Uh, did you try to piece together the uh, information and find out what kind of uh, 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 information they were looking for at that time? Yes, obviously, obviously. Uh, like I, I tried to figure out why they surveilled me and uh, and what kind of information they could have accessed. Problem is that the technical forensic analysis can only tell you the exact times and dates and also the names of the files and, and processes that were running on your phone and, and, at that time. Uh, also, it can tell how much data was downloaded and uploaded. In my case, it was more than 100 megabytes in a time frame of, of, of six or seven months. Uh, but it cannot tell you what exact files or what what types of files, whether it's video or audio or, or logs or, or messages, uh, were accessed. Uh, from this um, this amount of data, I presume that they were not recording videos uh, through my phone because it's just too small of a of an amount uh, amount of data for that. Uh, I think it's very likely that that my messages, my encrypted um, uh, messages on Signal and other applications, my emails, uh, my my notes, uh, were accessed probably maybe some audio recordings too. So on one hand, I can, I can make that, uh, that assumption. On the other hand, uh, from, from the, the times when my, my phone was, was hacked or accessed, when, when something related to Pegasus was running on my phone, I can tell that um, because I checked my, my, uh, my notebooks and my calendars, uh, try to match these dates to you know, meetings and email correspondences I, I had. Um, I found two things. One is that when my surveillance started, I was working on a story about the so-called International Investment Bank. It's a Russian-led um, international organization uh, that moved its headquarters from Moscow to Budapest at that time in 2019. And uh, multiple NATO member states like the United States or the United Kingdom um, thought that this organization is just a front for Russian intelligence and uh, they were trying to protest uh, the Hungarian government's decision to, to welcome this institution into Hungary. And when I was working on this story and when I had a meeting, I think it was April 4 or April maybe April 6th, with another journalist from an American outlet who was working on the very same story, that that time my my... my 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 phone was doing something something Pegasus related um, a file or or process was running on my phone, and what um, what corroborates this theory is that this other journalist, this American journalist, had a Hungarian fixer who was uh, you know organizing the interviews for for him and uh, and and doing some some help with the reporting uh, locally in in Hungary, and and that fixer's phone number was also present in the in the in the database. So you could, you know, put these pieces together, and and um, and, and essentially that's that's how I can I can uh, 
I can directly say that, that my reporting on the International Investment Bank was what got me into trouble. And it's, it's just very ironic that it's, it was not the Russians uh, who were surveilling me or who were interested in me, or I don't know if they were or not, but the Hungarians for, for sure. And then I also... Um, found that there, there's a correlation between the official comment requests I sent to the Hungarian government, to different ministries, mostly the Ministry of uh, uh, Foreign Affairs, uh, Ministry of Interior, and maybe in one or two cases, Ministry of Finance. Um, so there were around like a dozen of cases when my comment requests were followed up in a couple of business days by <laughs> by a, a new Pegasus uh, trace or, or Pegasus uh, infection on, on my phone. And it's quite realistic knowing that, you know, even intelligence agencies are part of a you know, bureaucratic system that, uh, that from, from a government uh, press officer receiving my email about, you know, inquiring about some stuff uh, and, you know, that email to, to get forwarded to the superiors and the superiors forwarded to the intelligence agency and then, you know, they assigned uh, the case to someone that it does take up a couple of business days uh, to do that. Uh, and what's 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 really outrageous here is that most of the times I, I didn't get any reply, any substantial reply to, to my comment request. Instead, they were just, you know, checking into my phone to see what this guy is actually working about, what the story uh, and when the story is coming out who may be the sources uh, who provided information to me. So, yeah, that's that's what I could establish. This happened in uh, 2019? 2019, yes. Um, since then, uh, are there signs that uh, this, uh, this surveillance in some some form or another uh, does continue? Yes. Uh, can you tell us more? Or is this uh, something that uh, uh, should not be uh, public? Well, I mean, I, I just confirmed, so it's public now. Um, well, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna go into details, obviously. Um, but like, I received friendly warnings. I received information um, that some of my uh, my correspondences uh, are known to to Hungarian intelligence uh, services. Uh, I also experience some some signs that that point to to surveillance, and um, just knowing how the the Hungarian government and its agencies work, uh, and knowing what kind of stories I work on, um, I think it's uh, it's pretty obvious that they are interested in in what I'm doing. I'm scrutinizing wrongdoings. I'm scrutinizing also abusive surveillance uh, by. Uh, by my country's government. Um, and uh, I think I, I had a couple of ex explosive stories since 2019. Um, even at that, that time when, uh, when, uh, when I, was, uh, I was surveilled, I was working also not just on this story about the International Investment Bank, but about like high-level negotiations between the Orban government and the Trump administration, some, some arms deals. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that I'm under, uh, some kind of surveillance. It's not necessarily, uh, the same type that I, I used to be. Obviously, uh, after such an experience that, 
that uh, that I, my my phone was hacked, I'm I'm much more cautious and careful, and I'm also like checking my equipment. So probably these people also know that that I'm I'm more tech savvy now. So so maybe it would be a a bad idea to to use the very same stuff on my phone, especially that you know anyone can check their iPhones uh, if it's infected with Pegasus, and also I think with Predator, this this other uh, pretty common spyware these days. Uh, so, so it's quite easy to 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 do that, um, but um, I'm I'm convinced that uh, that my work does still uh, trigger some uh, some uh, interest from the Hungarian government. Uh, how that did uh, uh, your work uh, change uh, after these these uh, uh, this? I don't know how to call it incident. It wasn't actually an. Yeah, I mean, there were many, many, many consequences. Obviously, like um, on a personal level, I, I did have a couple of, of, of tough moments and and, and some months. Uh, not necessarily when when I was told that I was hacked, because at that time I was like super excited and busy working on on investigating other abuses because I, I, I wore this double head that I was not just the target of Pegasus surveillance, but I was also invited to participate in the, in the Pegasus project investigation itself, uh, which, which was odd, but, but there were a couple of, of other colleagues from India and Mexico who, who were in the same situation that, that they had also been surveilled with Pegasus, but then they got invited to, uh, to investigate The, the, the surveillances in the in their respective countries, um, but but once the investigation was was finished, there were a couple of weeks and months when I felt quite paranoid, uh, to say the least. Um, but you know, you learn to cope with these things, uh, and also it 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 had some therapeutical. Um, Uh, side to it when I was was talking to other uh, other victims of surveillance, <laughs> uh, I called them my my Pegasus brothers and sisters, and I just I was just recently in Brussels where I met um, uh, an MEP from Spain who who was also spied on with uh, with Pegasus. So I told her that uh, that she's my uh, Pegasus sister, and we laughed at it. So that's also a way to uh, to to process um, these experiences. Uh, when it comes to doing my work, um, there are a couple of, of obviously negative uh, consequences. One is that it really slows down my work that I have to, but of course I'm, it's, I'm, I'm not complaining, but I have to take uh, uh, extra security measures, how I organize meetings, how I communicate with people, how I store my information, my notes, uh, etc. Uh, it does does slow it down extremely. Um, also, I think that a couple of people are are not uh, answering my calls or or they are not open to meeting me anymore because uh, you know my my face and name was was all over. So everyone knows everyone who does does a Google search on my name. That's like one of the the first um, results that, that comes up in the browser that, uh, that this guy was a target of Pegasus. So who would want to talk to a journalist who was under surveillance? Maybe he's still under surveillance since not much has, not much has changed in Hungary. Uh, so obviously I lost a couple of sources. 
But on the other hand, I also hope that I, I gain some more. Uh, this whole story brought me a bigger name recognition. Um, there are some opportunities that it opened for me uh, because previously I was not really involved in cybersecurity related investigations, but now also these these stories somehow find me and um, uh, and 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 also through through investigating Pegasus surveillances, talking to experts, talking to victims. My my uh, network of contacts is just much broader and. Uh, uh, also, uh, cyber security and cyber surveillance is now in my journalistic portfolio. It's it's something I'm interested in and something I, I'm, I'm investigating. Um, and 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 obviously, um, it was a great experience being part of the whole Pegasus project investigation with uh, with dozens of journalists from France, from the U.S., from the U.K., uh, Mexico. Um, multiple uh, great friendships, I guess, has been forged through, through this process. So all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I was, I was part of it. And uh, uh, what kind of uh, security measures did uh, this mean for Direct36? Uh, well, obviously, we were already quite careful with uh, how we communicate. Uh, and in a paradox way, I think that's the explanation why uh, in this database, there were the numbers of two director, the six journalists, and one one Atatsu journalist, uh, and not necessarily journalists from uh, from large news outlets. Uh, but <laughs> there seems to be a focus on, on investigative journalists. That's because we we were already cautious, and that's that's why we we used end to end encryption encrypted uh, messaging applications. So the thing is that, and this is my theory, uh, there's a much broader pool of journalists and also Hungarian citizens uh, who were and who are under surveillance, but there are different tools and different technologies and also they come with a different price tag. Pegasus is one of the most expensive and also technologically most advanced tool. So when there's a journalist or a politician or uh, someone working for an NGO who's who's not using end-to-end encrypted uh, communications, there are um, uh, other technical ways to surveil that person. Um, they don't need Pegasus. Maybe they can just hack their emails or there are some other cheaper uh, spivers that they can use. But, but uh, the real... Uh, big feet of Pegasus that it, it can crack signal and and these other stuff, uh, and that's why I say that that it's 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 a little paradox that this is why I think this is again my assumption, but I'm I'm pretty convinced that this is why uh, journalists from Direct Thirty Six uh, were surveilled with Pegasus because we were already cautious, we were already using these technologically more advanced applications and to counter that and to to get access to our information they needed also the most uh developed uh uh spyware out there um but uh, but since then of course we're we're even more cautious with uh with how we we communicate uh but there but you know that's what experts say there's no full protection unless you go fully offline uh so i try to go offline as much as possible um and also there's a there's a couple of small things you can do uh to to make your phone uh more uh protected uh 
of course, Apple has since introduced the so-called lockdown mode. Uh, that's, a, that's a security mode you can um, turn on on your phone uh, if you feel or if you have the um, if you have any kind of uh, risk that you may be surveilled by by government actors, then you can activate lockdown mode. It restricts some of the uh, abilities of your phone, but it, it makes it much safer. Uh, also, you should not use iMessage or FaceTime or some of those other uh, very popular applications that uh, are known to to continuously have uh, all kinds of uh, vulnerabilities. And um, those who uh, who operate the spivers, who develop the spivers, they are looking for these types of vulnerabilities. And, and this is what they use to, to, to find a hole on, on the shield of your, of your, of your phone and, and to, to infect it. So um, yeah, there are a couple of, of these, these stuff that I'm not using and that I turned off. And, and obviously there are some, some measures I'm, I don't want to talk about. I don't want to tip off the, the guys who are after me. Um, but um, uh, even if uh, we disregard this uh, surveillance, uh, being a journalist in Hungary is quite difficult, uh, mainly because there's a constant uh, propaganda and uh, smear campaign going on against uh, whoever is critical towards the government. How can you live uh, with this on a day-to-day basis? Well, it's it's not journalist specific that the Hungarian government is is trying to smear us uh, also if you're just uh, if you're just an activist if you're just a 15 16 year old student who who gives a speech at some uh, at some protest uh, for um, you know, bigger salaries for teachers you can get easily uh, in the crosshairs of government propaganda and then there's going to be thousands of articles published in a couple of months smearing you. So you don't have to be a journalist to to trigger that kind of reaction. Um, you know, in, in these past decade when I was working as, a, as an investigative journalist, I've been accused of being an agent of George Soros, gay, Jewish, uh, CIA agent, Uh, political activist, uh, you name it. Um, of course, as as with anyone, um, it's not a nice feeling. It's especially not a nice feeling that uh, that your own government and your own state treats you as an enemy. Um, that just you know triggers some some bad memories. My my family history is uh, is uh, full of those uh, those bad memories and. Um, You know, as uh, my grandma was a survivor of the Holocaust, and obviously that uh, uh, that brings in some some extra sensitivity when uh, when when I see this rhetorics that uh, that the Hungarian government is uh, is portraying its own citizens as as enemies, and I'm not just talking about journalists, but also uh, LGBT uh, people. Or people with uh, different uh, uh, skin color, people of, uh, of immigrant uh, background, uh, people who not necessarily who are not necessarily Christian. Um, this is this is obviously not not nice. But uh, but again, I'm an investigative journalist. What I do inherently has a certain risk, 
Uh, also, it's not the hardest job out there. I'm not working in a coal mine. Uh, I, I don't. I really don't want to complain. And also, you know, Hungary is still a member of both the EU and NATO. There are still some international standards that even this government is is uh, is following. So they cannot just you know put us into jail or beat us up on the street or, or harass us physically. Uh, it's still not happening, uh, but it, it, it is happening in, in other countries, uh, also in countries where, where journalists were surveyed with Pegasus. So in the case of Mexico, for example, in 2017, uh, a journalist who was surveilled with, with the spyware was, was then gunned down uh, on the street. Um, a journalist in Morocco was was jailed for for many many years after uh, the surveillance. At least in Hungary, we we don't see that uh, that that there's this type of consequence to to Pegasus uh, surveillance. Um, I think the the biggest problem for for a journalist these days in in Hungary is just the, the lack of access to to information. Uh, as I said, my personal experience is that when I'm inquiring the the Hungarian government, they they are not sending you know substantial replies, but they hack into my phone to 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 find out what what I'm working on. Uh, that's absurd, of course. But but the main problem is that they are not giving any any substantial reply. Our freedom of information requests are, are getting refused on a daily basis. Um, People working for the government are, are not commenting uh, or, or even you know, calling us fake news when we try to make an interview, do an interview with them. We're not getting invited to government press conferences. When we try to get in, they don't allow us, uh, uh, claiming that all the seats are taken and uh, it's full house, there's no space for us. Um, all these kinds of things uh, on a daily basis that do make it much harder for us to operate. Sometimes I think that if I were a journalist in Germany or, or France or I don't know, somewhere else in Western Europe, uh, I could have written like uh, 10 times more <laughs> articles throughout my career because uh, that just takes up a lot of, uh, a lot of, it, it takes a lot of energy and time to, to try to overcome these obstacles and, and still try to figure out how you can get and confirm uh, some information. If I was from a Western European country, I'm pretty sure it would be much, much easier because there's a culture uh, of freedom of information request. The political culture is totally different. If you're a politician, you have to reply to questions. If you're not, it's a scandal. In Hungary, it's the norm that politicians just ignore journalists. And how can uh, uh, one build a resilient uh, journalism organization in these conditions? Well, it's... Uh, it's not easy, but also it's it's not impossible. Hungary is in this uh, very very interesting situation where we we still do have press freedom uh, in Hungary. Uh, Direct thirty six operates uh, absolutely freely from from any kind of uh, government pressure, political pressure, or economic pressure. It's an NGO, uh, meaning that it's owned by by our own founder and editor. Uh, all the profits that we're making are 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 uh, spent on salaries, on new equipment, hiring new people. Um, and also, I think we've been publishing uh, quite a lot of 
good and, and explosive stories. So the problem is not with that. Uh, the problem is with what I mentioned. It's it's very, very hard and it's a very lengthy uh, laborious process to, to, to obtain uh, the information that we can eventually turn into an article. And the other thing is, is about the impact and the reach that we have or <laughs> what we don't have. Uh, because the Hungarian government has transformed the the media space into something unheard of inside the European Union. Uh, majority of the media outlets are directly controlled by the government. Uh, and for my work, that means that my stories are, are absolutely ignored, not getting quoted. Uh, and, uh, and through that, they are not reaching the, the, the same audience that they should reach in a country of 9 or 10 million people like Hungary. So just in comparison, when I started out as a, as a journalist, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, uh, if I published um, a story that was newsworthy, that was scandalous, uh, I think there were two, three, four times more uh, independent outlets, uh, newspapers, dailies, TVs, radios, local newspapers, uh, websites who quoted uh, my story. And, and through them, it reached many, many more people. Uh, um, and through buying up and, and turning these outlets into propaganda or just closing them down, obviously a large chunk of them just doesn't exist anymore. And, um, and, and, and that's, that, that's why, um, sometimes I, I feel that, that what I work on, uh, my stories, uh, my investigative work is like handicapped. So even if I wrote the most explosive story about the biggest corruption scandal in this country, it will never reach um, millions of people because there's a total media uh, blackout. Um, and um, yeah, that, that doesn't make it easier also for a nonprofit to you know, advertise our work and to convince people that, that we should be um, uh, supported. Direct 36 uh, relies on uh, on the support of small donors. Our our biggest source of income is uh, small donations, a couple of thousands of people uh, who are uh, so-called members of our supporting community who contribute uh, mostly on a regular basis. And we also have some some grants, some institutional support from from foundations, and uh, uh, that's also quite uh, quite uh, <laughs> useful, obviously, to to maintain our 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 financial independence but if you're a for-profit uh, media company uh, in this country it's not easy to both uh, stay financially stable uh, profitable and also to, to stay independent uh, if uh, you had the option to send a message to a past self of yours uh, what would be the, that message and uh, uh, how much uh, or how many years would you go back uh, into time to pass on that message I think it was in 2015 when I started investigating Russia-related stories, Russian influence, Russian espionage in Hungary, how how Russian money is corrupting Hungarian individuals, decision makers, and, and how Russian intelligence services are, are recruiting uh, Hungarians or just meddling in, uh, in uh, some uh, business affairs, procurements, etc. And I remember at that time, you know, reading about the methods of Russian intelligence, how they poison people, uh, how they hack into uh, um, IT networks and stuff. 
Um, and of course, I didn't have much experience back then with with these topics. I I was I I was quite paranoid that you know at some point the Russians would do something with me that I should be afraid of of uh, some kind of retaliation. Um, it never happened, <laughs> and uh, I, I I should tell myself back in those the back in those years like yeah in 2015 that I should be more afraid of my own my very own government, the Hungarian government, uh, of, of their surveillance and of their methods. Because because it seems that to them it doesn't matter what I what I write about, although it as I said, it's it's not reaching um, as much of an as like it, it's not, not reaching uh, a big audience anymore. And the audience that it reaches is smaller and smaller. But but still back in those days I never thought that that the stories I, I work on uh, would trigger more anger and uh, and retaliation from from my very own government than than from the Russian government. Thank you for listening to the Loop, a journalist and value project podcast, a project where we are exploring how independent media in Europe can become more sustainable. This podcast was brought to you by Reference, the European Independent Media Circle. The Journalism Value Project is a collaboration involving Reference and Network Research and is co-funded by the European Union through Creative Europe Media and by the Journalism Funders Forum. To find out more about Reference, visit referencecircle.eu. To listen to more episodes, go to journalismvalueproject.com or any of the usual podcast platforms.